Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I welcome you back to the podcast, Fourth and Inches. This is your host, Brent Rocky. I will have a guest host next time for sure. I'm going to go ahead and name him. His name is Justin House. He will be my guest host. Due to weather and stuff like that in our area, we haven't been able to really get together. And uh, this podcast is coming out a lot later than I really wanted it to, considering I wanted to talk about the Super Bowl and other things. It's obviously, the Super Bowl has already been played um, uh, long past that. Um, uh, let's just jump right into it. We'll go ahead and talk about the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, this was one of the more hyped-up Super Bowls lately uh, in a long time. I think that, uh, at least I anticipated, there was no way the Super Bowl could be bad. And that was the wrong way to think going in. I think I had the standards too high. And uh, my standards were definitely not were definitely not met. Um, uh, Tampa Bay, they came out and they played flawless. They played exactly how they need to play, especially on the defense side of the ball. Offensively, they were flawless too, but the defense smothered that Chiefs offense all night. All night. That Chiefs offense never had the chance to breathe. It was absolutely incredible, the performance they put on that field this uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. Tom Brady, he's the GOAT. Nothing else you can say about it. He's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. He is the best. And I can't believe there's even a – I really hate to admit that. And I'm not going to lie. I was rooting for the Chiefs. I did not want Tom Brady to get another Super Bowl. I was, especially in Tampa Bay, and Bruce Arians, I'm not a Bruce Arians fan at all. I'm an Andy Reid fan. I'm a Patrick Mahomes fan. I wanted to see – Patrick Mahomes do Patrick Mahomes things. And Patrick Mahomes did. Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady's the greatest of all time. Patrick Mahomes is the greatest today. He proved that this Super Bowl. And you might say he had a terrible game. His stats look terrible. If you didn't watch that game, you would say that. Patrick Mahomes, statistically, was 26 for 49, 270 yards and two interceptions. But now let me tell you this. The man scrambled around on the field, running away for pressure for a total of 497 yards, nearly 500 yards. 497 yards, he ran around running away from pressure. He threw insane, incredible Patrick Mahomes balls that bounced off receivers' hands. He had one where he was parallel to the ground, threw an absolute perfect pass, bounced off the receiver's face mask. What do you do with that? There's nothing you can do. Not, not a thing. He did what he needed to do. He, and he, had, he fought all game long. Never gave up. No matter where, where they were in the game, he never quit. Never, you never saw him complaining to his teammates that they needed to step up, that they weren't doing their job, which he easily could have. He didn't even do that. And this is also interesting. Though the Buccaneers did dominate the game, the Chiefs still had more total yards than they did. The Chiefs had 350 total yards to the Buccaneers' 340. 
But what killed the Chiefs with the, the, the momentum during the game, they could not keep. There's never a point in the game where I thought the Chiefs had all the momentum. Or even some of it, really. They had chances to where they could have taken it all, but they never did. They never really took the opportunity and ran with it. But uh, what really impressed me was Leonard Fournette overall. Leonard Fournette, to me, was more... Now, everybody's going to hate this and think I'm being stupid, but Leonard Fournette, to me, was more of an MVP than Tom Brady was that game. Because the way he ran the ball, he ran it aggressively and ran it the way that they needed... He would... They couldn't stop him. They could not stop. The Chiefs' defense had no answer for Leonard Fournette. He might he had 16 carries, 89 yards, and a touchdown. But he easily could have had more. He is, because there was only probably one or two plays that I honestly can remember where they actually stopped Leonard Fournette for a really short gain or even in the backfield. Usually it was him chunking five, six yards at a time, just five, six yards, five, six yards. And, yeah, he didn't, and he had a couple bigger runs too. Like, don't get me wrong there. But he really did. He did his part. And Clyde Edwards-Lair for the Chiefs, he, he played a pretty decent game. Nine rushes for 64 yards. Uh, not much more you can ask for. Uh, Travis Kelsey, he showed up. But wait, 10 receptions for 133 yards. But he also dropped a crucial, I believe it was a third down pass, early in the game. So as good as his stats sound, he did drop a bunch of ball. And Tyree Kill, he dropped a ball in the end zone that um uh, I believe was first quarter and it hit him in the face mask, went right through his hands. Now there was a defender around him. There was, but he the defender made very a very, 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 very poor play on the football. And Tyree Kill should have caught that ball and he didn't. I think um uh Tampa Bay also very well benefited from uh, Tampa Bay. Let me get this straight first. I 100% think Tampa Bay won this game fair and square. They dominated the Kansas City Chiefs. They had a great game plan going into it. They executed the game plan. They did as well as they possibly could have in the Super Bowl. But I'm also going to mention reasons that I think they won. One, I think they did get the Tom Brady treatment from the referees. I think both sides of the ball did. I think especially that Tyron Matthew, when he got that personal foul, uh, when he got that flag for a personal, for, uh, I think it was just him pointing at Tom Brady, when Tom Brady came and found him on the field and started talking crap to him. Now, how's that work? Now, tell me how that, that is even remotely fair Tom Brady finds you on the field you just defend yourself start talking back and according to Tyron Matthew Tom Brady called him a name that he will not repeat what was that name probably I had a guess I'd say it was probably the word that has ruined every career in recent memory probably a racial slur and but we're not going to talk about that. That legit came out in the media and then thereby just blew over it. If that was anybody else but Tom Brady. That'd be big news that they said a racial slur or that they said a word, anything to him. 
and we just blew over it. But they did. I think they got the Tom Brady treat, treatment. There was one uh, pass interference that was called in the back of the end zone. Uh, uh, Tom Brady was, uh, I think it was third down, and uh, Tom Brady had pressure, was got pressure on him, and he threw the ball out of the back of the end zone. And they called on Ty. I believe they called on Tyron Matthew, and Tyron Matthew wasn't really. Ne- First off, it wasn't pass interference, and the ball was uncatchable. So therefore, you could have, if you were going to call flag there, could have called holding. But there was no holding, so that would have been a bad call too. Like there was no call you could have made there that would have been the right call. But if you were going to call one, you could have called holding. You could have called holding, but they didn't even call called pass interference. Ball sailed about five, five, over five yards probably out of the end zone, and they called pass interference. Chiefs also had a starting lineman out. They, uh, I think you could tell that impacted the. Like I said, that definitely impacted this game. I think a great, great deal. And if there's anybody that's listening right now that says that a uh, offensive lineman cannot. One offensive lineman being out, starting offensive lineman, I should say, being out cannot affect a team. A team. I'd like for you to please turn off this podcast and stop listening because you don't understand how football works and you might be the dumbest human alive. Because uh, offensive line is the most important part of football. If you don't have an offensive line, you might as well just not even play. So that one offensive lineman being out affected three possessions. Because if I remember correctly, uh, I don't want to be quoted on this, but I know a tackle had to move to guard or had to move to the other side, and then a guard had to move to center, and then it it was a whole bunch of stuff that they had to switch just to get a line to be able to play this game. And you could tell all evening, you could tell all night that this offensive line wasn't ready to play this game. Four, like I said, 497 yards, Patrick Mahomes scrambled around trying to avoid sacks. 497 yards. That's an example of why I'm trying to say that Patrick Mahomes is the greatest to play right now. He gave so much effort this game. He had turf toe, too. They has to get surgery on. So... And I don't know if anybody's ever had turf toe, but that is immense pain. And he was running around, scrambling around for his life on that. Patrick Mahomes was basically playing a one on eleven game for mo- like if you watch this game, that's practically what he was playing. His receivers were dropping passes when he was hitting them right in the hands. He never more than once or twice had a clear pocket to throw. And I. I'd like to know how many times he actually had to throw on the run because that was a lot. And he always, he usually throws on the run anyway. But this time it was him throwing on the run and him having the entire Buccaneers front seven running after him. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, all credit goes to them because they, like I said, were flawless. They played the Kansas City Chiefs as well as I've ever seen the a team play the Kansas City Chiefs and the ever since Patrick Mahomes has been there 
And I think they deserve all credit for that. So now let's move on from the Super Bowl and let's talk. Uh, I'm going to talk some way too early predictions for next season. Just throwing some stuff out there. Obviously, none of this this is has no data behind it, just kind of how I feel. This is So I don't want to hear any crap about any of it. Some of them are a little bit bold, but, you know, it is what it is. So, first off, I think Patrick Mahomes wins MVP. And not only do I think he wins MVP, he wins it by a lot. He has a career year next year. I think he's going to be kicked off after the Super Bowl. And I think he throws for well over for over 5,000 passing yards for sure and has over 50 touchdowns. I think he has a video game number type of year this year. 100%. I, I almost guarantee it. 100% think that. I also think Chiefs win the Super Bowl and they win it easy. Especially if that whole Chiefs team stays healthy, they win it easy. They win. I'm not going to say they win the Super Bowl, but this year's Super Bowl is a lot closer if that team's healthy. A lot closer. And I just don't see how you stop that Tyree. Like, I still haven't seen anybody stop both Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill in the same game. Even this Super Bowl, like I said, Travis Kelsey still had a, 10 receptions for 133 yards. Of course, Tyree Kill did not show up at all. Tyree Kill, they put, they had him locked down. Now let's move on. Um, I'm also, I predict that the Bucks don't even win the NFC next year or their division. I don't think the Bucs, I do not think the Bucks win their division next year or the NFC. I think they're still a very good team. I think they'll be very similar to how they were this year, about 11-5 record. But I think that, uh, this is my prediction, that the reason they don't win their division is because Drew Brees, this is, this is kind of a bold prediction, this coming up. But Drew Brees doesn't retire and leads the Saints to a Super Bowl. That's my prediction about that. Drew Brees just took a major pay cut. He is now taking the veterans minimum, trying to keep the Saints team together. Because he wants to win. and Or it could be because he knows he's retiring. But I think he's going to come back one more year and he wants to get one more try. Because I don't think he wants us to remember him like how he played last year. Because last year, in his defense last year, he plagued with injuries all last year. He had 11 fractured ribs, a punctured lung at one point, play, played a, a, almost a whole game like that. Then he uh, apparently also had a torn rotator cuff or torn labrum. Something. He had torn something in his shoulder that's pretty severe for any quarterback, and played all year like that. That's impressive. That's very, very impressive. That just shows the toughness of Drew Brees. I think Drew Brees is going to come out one more year. One more year I think he's going to give us. And I think he, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Now let's move on. Let's talk about Carson Warner. We'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt has been released by the Texans. I think that's a 
very good move by the Texans. Or not, I shouldn't say very good move. I should say that I understand that move, and I think that it's a fair move to make because J.J. Watt has given his entire career to the Texans, and the Texans have not repaid him at all. He has done a ton for the city of Houston. During the flood relief, he donated, he helped start a, um, a, a foundation or fundraiser or whatever you want to call it and raised tons of money to help the city of Houston out. And he's just done a ton for that community. And I think this is a very fair move by the Texans to release him. And I think if he would, there's no reason why he shouldn't. And honestly, it makes sense from a football standpoint, too, because he is still J.J. Watt. Don't get me wrong. He is still very, he's very effective. He deserves attention. He Like when you, have, you set the game plan that J.J. Watt's there. You can't you can't overlook JJ Watt, but he isn't the same JJ Watt. He is aging. He's obviously not as dominant as he once was, and I think that I'm not exactly for sure what his salary was, but for cap space purposes, it was a very good move there too. So I think that overall, I don't think this is a bad. I think this is. Of course, they mutually agreed to part ways, and I don't think it's. I think it works out for both parties. I don't think they would have got. I don't think the Texans would have got a ton out of trading JJ, and I don't think. Then you also, to be fair to JJ, which I think the Texans wanted to be, you also don't just dish him out to any team. JJ wants to win now. That's his purpose of leaving the Texans. As because he knows his career, he's starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. His career, I think, is obviously getting close to being over. And I think that this is just a good move here by the Texans. A very smart move. And I think, and like I said, also for JJ to finally get out of Houston. Because Houston is not going to win. It's just not. Definitely, definitely not. So, for JJ Watt... Texans will get a $17.5 million cap. They will, that would have been how much his cap would have taken up. His contract would have taken up this year. He would be making $17.5 million. So they're saving that $17.5 million in cap this year. So that is big for the Texans. I think that's very big for them. Alrighty. Let's move on. Some big news came out today. Carson Wentz has been traded to the Colts for the 2021 thir- for a 2021 third round pick and a conditional 2022 second round pick. This is a great pickup. This is this is a good pickup by the Colts. I do not want to say great. The reason being, I don't want to say great because we don't know. We do not, we have no idea how Carson Wentz is going to be. Carson Wentz at one point in his career, the year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl, of course he was injured and Nick Foles won it for him. He was an MVP candidate that season and was most like like a runaway MVP candidate. And then he got hurt. 
Carson Wentz, when he plays at that level, is a very good quarterback. That MVP season I was talking about for Carson Wentz was 2017. He played 13 games. In those 13 games when he played, his team was 11-2. He went 265 for 440, was 60.2% completion percentage, 3,296 yards, 33 touchdowns to 7 interceptions. That touchdown to interception ratio is awesome. That's 7.5. A 7.5 touchdown to interception ratio. So for every 7.5 touchdowns he threw, he threw one pick. That's incredible. His uh, QBR was 78.5. His passer rating was 101.9, which is awesome. Very good. So Carson Wentz that year was a runaway MVP candidate through 13 games. Even after he tore his ACL that year, he still got MVP votes. He missed three games. Man still got MVP votes. That's how good he was that year. He was that he was the best quarterback in the league this year. And in 2018, through 11 games, his team didn't do great in 20 in those 11 games he played. He was five and six, but he improved. He even got better through 11 games. He was 279 for 401, a 69.6 completion percentage. That is very good. A 69.6 completion percentage is very good. Anything above 65% to me is very good. He had 3,074 passing yards, which is 279.5 per game. To put that in perspective, the year before when he was going to win MVP, he threw for 253.5 a game. And then his touchdown to interception ratio wasn't as good. It was uh, 21 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. But still... That's still very good. That's very respectable. That's a very good QB. Uh, that's a very good quarterback. His uh, passer rating was 102.2, so it even went up. His QBR went down. However, he was 62. But still, that is a very good quarterback. Those stats are very good. If his team was winning that year, he probably would have been a big MVP candidate this year. And in 2019, he finally was able to play a whole season. And to me, this season was, it was decent. It wasn't great, but it was pretty good. It was a, it was a solid quarterback season. He uh, played all 16 games. His team went 9-7. and seven. He was uh, 388 for 607, 63.9% completion, percent completion percentage, uh, 4,039 yards, 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. That's solid. That's a very that's a very respectable QBR. A very very respectable QBR. Um, uh, his uh, passer rating wasn't. It, it took a downfall a little bit. Ninety three point one QBR, sixty two point eight. Uh, his QBR went up though. He uh, but really to me, I do like looking at passer rating. QBR is stupid. Passer rating I kind of like, but still. It kind of gives you a perspective over, like, a quarterback, what you, uh, kind of what you see. Uh, to me, that's at least what a uh, passer rating does. Because I think if you see, uh, 
for example, if you see the top, the best of the league, you see their uh, passer rating, and then you can compare it to others. So 93.1, that's a solid passer rating. And uh, QBR, though, like I said, that's stupid. I don't even know why it's a thing. Uh, but I don't even know what they judge all that stuff on. Pass rate, I don't think anybody does. Anyway, Carson Wentz played. He has always played solid up until this year. He's been a solid quarterback up until this year. And I think the reason why he played the way he did this year was because he has lost all confidence in himself. And I don't think that's necessarily his fault. I think that is... Uh, the Eagles organization's fault that he had lost all confidence in himself. They had drafted a quarterback in the second round. And for people that don't understand, you have to, that haven't played football before and stuff like that. Stuff like that really gets in your head. When you see, like, let's say you're a senior and you see an upcoming, an upcoming freshman that's very good, it makes you work harder, but still at the same time, it freaks you out. It makes you think, like, that guy could take my spot next week. So Carson Wentz is dealing with this. And then also at the same time, it's even worse because they picked him. They picked a quarterback, pretty much telling Carson Wentz, if you don't really step up your game, we're going to put in another quarterback. We drafted him early. Second round's early. So if you don't step up your game, we'll play him. And they did. But that's what was going through his mind the whole time. You can't do that to your franchise quarterback. You Carson Wentz is a franchise quarterback. At least he was up until this year. This year he was terrible. 251 for 437. He played 12 games, went 3-8-1. His team was atrocious. So he was 251 for 437, a completion percentage of 574 57.4%. That's atrocious. Um uh 2,620 yards, 16 touchdowns to 15 interceptions. That's a terrible, terrible, terrible touchdown to turnover ratio. To interception ratio, excuse me. Um, uh, and in his fairness, he was sacked 50 times in 12 games. 50 times in 12 games. That is absurd. To be sacked 50 times in 12 games. That is over four sacks a game. That's terrible. That's an offensive line issue right there. So he was sacked 50 times, and in those 50 times, he would lose 326 yards. You can't win games if you're getting sacked four, if your quarterback's getting sacked four or five times a game. And losing in those 50 sacks, losing 326 yards with that. Very hard to win football games like that. So, for Carson Wentz, I think it was good for him to get out of uh, Philadelphia. Because Philadelphia is very Philadelphia is very critical of their players, as it is. You lose a game and you suck. You see it all the time. Philadelphia is an awesome sports town, don't get me wrong. I think and their fans are awesome if you're winning. If you're not winning, you're all bums and you all suck. They have loyalty, but they don't have loyalty. They have loyalty to the organizations, but they don't have loyalty to players. I think that's a very fair statement to make. 
Alrighty, let's uh. So that's all I have to really say about Carson Wentz. I think this like trade for the Colts. I think it was smart by the Colts to get the Carson Wentz from 2016 to 2019, the first four years of his career, or 2017 and 2019. Because his obviously his rookie year wasn't great, but his uh second year, third year, fourth year in the league was very good. Like I said, second year in the league, he was gonna be an MVP winner. If he just played those three games and didn't throw five picks a game. So hopefully he can get with a new organization, start with a clean slate, and win, and just win football games. Because he's going to a uh, very talented Colts team. He uh, is going to have a very good offensive line in front of him, led by Quentin Nelson. Uh T.Y. Hilton's still there. Of course, T.Y. Hilton's aging a little bit, but he has a lot of got a lot of good weapons. Jonathan Taylor, a running back, he's got a lot of help there. He has help. He has a good defense behind him, or a good yeah, good defense with him. He has it all set up for him in Indianapolis. It's all going to really depend on how the Colts use him, and at the how he really needs to be babied almost right now because he is. I think it's – he has very little confidence in himself right now, and I think he really needs to gain that back. I think – I really think, though, this is a good move by the Colts because I think Carson Wentz is going to come back and be a great quarterback, and the Colts need a quarterback. They had Jacoby Brissett, and that was not going to get the job done. Jacoby Brissett's a good backup. He's one of the best in the league, I think. But he is not uh, who I'd want as a starting quarterback for a team that has hopes of making a deep playoff run and maybe even a Super Bowl here in the coming seasons. Because the Colts, the Colts are very close. Colts are honestly probably about a quarterback away. Uh, Philip Rivers had a pretty good year this year with the Colts, but it was lackluster kind of. Like he was old. Like he wasn't great. He wasn't bad. Uh. But it wasn't yeah, they needed they need somebody better, and I think Carson Wentz is that guy. I think Carson Wentz will be a very good quarterback. All right, moving on, let's uh move over to the college football scene. Just kind of one thing I just want to talk about here. I'm gonna start coming out with predictions for college football. And we're gonna talk about college football more now that uh the NFL's over uh because preferably I personally I should say I like college football a lot more than I like the NFL. The NFL is a snooze fest to me. College football is where it's at because you get to see kids who are trying to make their dreams come true. They're working as hard as they possibly can. The NFL, you have guys getting paid millions, and half the time it looks like most of them don't even care to be there. College, you have the emotion. You have the uh, adrenaline of knowing that if this team loses one game, they're out. It's going to be very tough for him to get in the playoff. Whereas the NFL, you had a 7-9 and nine, uh, seven and nine or 6-10, I can't remember, uh, Redskins team make it this year. Or I shouldn't say Redskins. I should say uh, a Washington football team. It's the Redskins. We all know it. I'm not changing, hit, changing their names. It's the Redskins. All righty. So moving over to the college football scene. This is... Pretty much the biggest news I think's come out in a while, to me anyway. 
Gus Malzahn has been named the new head football coach at UCF. For those who don't know, or maybe the name rings a bell, but you can't remember where he's from, Gus Malzahn was the head coach at Auburn and was fired here recently during the offseason. Um, Gus Malzahn's a great hire for UCF. I think this this is going to be a very, very good fit for both because Gus Malzahn needs to prove himself again. And honestly, if I'm Gus and I'm winning at UCF, I don't understand why he'd leave. But I think that all the time. He, UCF's already a very good program, and I understand it's not a Power 5 school, but it's in the AAC. And right now, the AAC is more of a Power 5 program than the Pac-12 is. That's for sure. I think the AAC is a, a better conference right now than the Pac-12. I honestly believe that Cincinnati, uh, UCF, Memphis, usually uh, – I know I'm missing somebody. Uh, gosh. I can't think right now, but AAC is a very good conference. Uh, so, I think Gus on. If he gets there and he's winning, a lot of UCF fans weren't aren't super thrilled about this because they think uh, he's gonna come, he's gonna come there. He might win like a, for a season or two, and then he's gonna leave for a Power Five job. Gus Malzahn's stupid if he does that because I think if he stays for a while, he can honestly build a very good program at UCF. And I just don't think Gus Malzahn is a Power Five kind of coach. He was at Auburn. He had a few successful years. I think. See, he led him to a championship in uh. 2013, I believe it would have been the 20. It would have been the 2014 uh, national championship game. Would have been the 2013 college football season. Florida State versus Auburn, and he did lead them to a championship that year, but they lost. And since then, they've had some good years, but here lately, they have not been very good at all. Not good at all. And I think for Gus, if he can uh, get to UCF, and like I said. Win some win football games, win a co- uh, conference title. I don't see why he'd leave. I don't like like he might, or he probably will, but he'd be stupid to because I think he is finally. I think UCF's kind of a, just a good fit for him. I heard it. I I just kind of like you know what that makes sense. It just made sense. It just makes sense because Gus Malzahn, he's like always kept Auburn at mediocre, and at UCF. He can make UCF very good, especially because obviously the competition. Obviously, he's not kind of the same skill level of athletes, but he is, and he's not going to play as strong as competition, as strong of competition. But he will have. Uh, he can still the competition. Like I said, the competition's not as strong. He can still win football games there, and. Considering he's coming from the SEC down to the AAC, he should be able to figure out a way to beat these teams, in my opinion. He should be able to, like, by now he should have schemes ready to beat teams like this. And it's not like, like I said, it's not like he's inheriting a terrible UCF program. The program's been good for the last five years or so, however long it's been, five, six years. UCF's been very, very talented and very very good and I think 
for Gus Malzahn, this was a very good situation for him to be in, especially after this Auburn, Auburn fire. Which, uh, and like I said, I think this, in a few years, I think UCF fans are going to look back and be very happy that they got Gus Malzahn. Alrighty, I think that's going to wrap us up here for this uh, week's edition of Fourth and Inches. I'll be back, hopefully, it's going to be a little bit more periodic because I might talk a little bit about NBA and when baseball starts up. But besides that, there's not really much going on. And I don't really care about the NBA. And I don't really care about Major League Baseball a ton either because the Reds suck. So, uh, I'll, like I said, most of this podcast is going to be about football anyway. So this is more of a football podcast than anything. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. I'll see you guys soon. I'm Brent Rocky. See you next time.